Liverpool Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Hi, and welcome. You had a lot of choices, and you chose the Paul Leslie Hour. So, thank you very much for tuning in. The last few episodes of the podcast have been interviews that broadcast on the radio 10 years ago. This was from a series called The Magic of the Music, The Birth of a Parrothead Nation. We were exploring the fans who made up the very first Jimmy Buffett fan club called the Atlanta Parrothead Club. They are still in existence. Next month, they are going to be celebrating their 30th anniversary. Pretty incredible. Joel Oates was with the Atlanta Parrothead Club from the very beginning. We did this interview with him. I think you're going to find it's very entertaining. At times, it's funny. There were things I had to edit out because this is, after all, a family show. (laughs) Anyhow, Joel Oates makes for entertaining listening. He talks about not only the formation of the Atlanta Parrothead Club, but also his experiences as road manager and you name it. You can fill in the blank in terms of any number of things he did with the band A1A. Let me know what you think about the interview. Our special guest on this episode of Time After Island Time, where we're exploring the magic of the music, the birth of a Parrothead Nation, is Mr. Joel Oates, longtime member of the very first Parrothead Club, the Atlanta Parrothead Club, the current director of events and merchandise, Recipient of the 2008 Lone Palm Award, Joel Oates. Well, thanks for having me, Paul. (laughs) My pleasure. I think most stories are best from the beginning. Where are you from? I'm originally from uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, Moved to Atlanta in about 1980 and really haven't ever looked back. I love living in Atlanta uh, and I, I love the people. I love the area. So have you always been a music fan? I've been a music fan all my life. Uh, I've always been collecting albums, cassettes, CDs when they came out. I was the guy that did all of the mixtapes when I was in school and uh, always had music playing. Uh, although my my music tastes have changed, I started when I was living back in Pittsburgh. I was the I was the, the heavy metal guy. I was you know listening to to uh, uh, Black Sabbath and, you know, the old long hair bands. And I didn't really get into Jimmy Buffett until I moved down to uh, Atlanta uh, and made some friends down there who were into it. What is it about Jimmy Buffett's music that you liked? Well, I've always liked the beach. I've always liked the ocean. I've always felt comfortable, you know, uh, uh, out uh, around in the islands. And when I got moved down to uh, Atlanta, I, Spent some time with some folks down in Columbus, Georgia. Uh, spent a long weekend over Fourth of July, and all we did was listen to Jimmy Buffett. And I had never heard Buffett before, uh, and I really just really got into it. You know, I uh, knew about it, but again, never, never really, never really got into it. But that that time, and you know, just uh, the music would brought back the visions of the islands and whatnot. That was just it. Just really turned me on. Uh, and I started getting into Buffett a lot more. 
How did you discover the Atlanta Parrothead Club, and what attracted you about the club? Well, that was actually uh, before there was an Atlanta Parrothead Club. Uh, I got introduced to Jeff Pike by uh, a friend of ours, uh, Darlene Sanders, who uh, was one of those folks down in Columbus who who helped introduce me to Buffett. Uh, she called me up one day and said, hey, you've got you've to hear this guy playing over the checkered parrot. Uh, if you close your eyes, he, just, he sounds a lot like Jimmy Buffett. So she and I went over there, and uh, uh, I got to hear Jeff up on stage, and uh, it – it really was. If I did the whole thing, closed my eyes, it really did sound like Buffett. So I started uh, started hanging out there more and more, and you know, uh, uh, we got to know a lot of the people that were that were there and were coming back the same weekends and and coming out for the happy hour. And one of them was this guy by the name of Scott Nickerson, uh, who uh, Jeff would let get up on stage every now and again. And Scott was <laughs> Scott was just trying to learn how to play harmonica, and. Uh, uh, he would get up on stage with Jeff and, you know, bless his heart. He, he has learned to be a hell of a harmonica player. Uh, but back then we never really knew what note was going to come out of his uh, harmonica when he blew into it. We had a, a pet name for him, Satan's mouthpiece. Uh, so, uh, but through all of that, uh, and through Scott then founding the, the club, you know, I've, I've been in it since the beginning. And you, we're you've been described as the following. Mel Evans had the Beatles. A1A had Joel Oates. You drove them <laughs> around. You fed them. You were the road manager. Tell, uh, tell us about that yeah. experience. <laughs> uh, that was, uh, that was a, an interesting experience for a young man, I'll tell you. Um, I, I did all that. I was, uh, I was the, uh, the road manager. I was the bartender. I was the... Uh, the uh, the morning hangover relief the the ATM the bail bondsman uh, Jeff even uh, uh, wrote a uh, rather embarrassing two page uh, note on the on the cover notes for uh, A1A's first CD about me A1A Live released in 1998 to quote the liner notes I would like to thank Joel Oates for being the best cook bartender drugstore roadie liaison engineer sound man Road manager, guitar tech, lost and found, bank, <laughs> bouncer, referee, and friend. Long before A1A even existed, there would be no A1A show without Joel. Oh, he forgot one there, uh, uh, as Jeff liked to put it, uh, after events coordinator. After show events coordinator. After show events coordinator. <laughs> I, was, I was the one that was in charge of getting everybody together and the party together after, after the shows. Uh, yeah, they usually ended up at my place, but, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, it was interesting traveling with, uh, with these guys and, uh, and, and partying It got me to meet a whole lot of people, uh, who I still talk to today, but, uh, that time of my life is, uh, is, is pretty much just a blur. <laughs> <laughs> so I was hoping you could elaborate a little bit on that because this was during, when the Parrothead Nation was kind of forming, you got a chance to travel around and meet a lot of Parrotheads. Do you have? I'm sure you have many fond memories, but maybe there's a favorite. Oh, uh, there's there's several favorites in there, but uh, uh, being as this is a, a family show, I can't uh, I can't put out a whole lot of them. Uh, I guess probably the one uh, that that sticks to mind is the uh, the uh, 
what was it, Jeff, the second or third uh, convention in New Orleans uh, when uh, I ended up with Jeff Pike living with me for uh, an extended long-lost weekend in, in New Orleans uh, at the Holiday Inn on Royal. Uh, Jeff uh, uh, drove into town and found out that Margaritaville was going to put him up in the band house, which was over in Metairie. Uh, and he wanted to be in the center of the action. Well, I had just checked into the, uh, uh, the holiday Inn there and due to my, uh, holiday Inn card, I had gotten upgraded to a junior suite and Jeff, uh, bopped on into my junior suite and, uh, sat down and proclaimed, well, maybe I'll just stay here for the weekend <laughs> and, uh, just kind of went downhill from there. If you want. You, you, Paul, have dealt with the the older and more mature Jeff Pike, and uh, this was the uh, the younger, uh, less less mature, more hedonistic Jeff Pike uh, <laughs> that uh, that I had to deal with for a long weekend. Who ended up doing things like uh, um, inviting the girl that I had just broken up with uh, to stay with us for a few days because she didn't have a hotel room. Uh, at which time I had to go get her out of jail in the Vocar police station because she uh, got up into some cop's face down in the French Quarter. It was it was always an event there with Jeffy. Wasn't there also a cheesecake that was destroyed beyond recognition? Oh yes, that was that was also part of the whole thing. Uh, the the uh, one of the young ladies who actually came to visit us uh, did uh, cake decorating uh, and the uh, the weekend over. Uh, 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 meeting of the minds is also my birthday and she brought me a wonderful uh chocolate cheesecake uh, decorated uh for my birthday that uh jeff uh, couldn't find any uh, silverware or anything so he just uh, went in with two fingers uh, one evening and scraped all of the chocolate off the top of it and left the rest of it sitting in the cooler uh in all the water and everything yeah boy but i this is one of my best friends i, I love him I, I do love him and you hold the distinction of having attended every single annual event called Meeting of the Minds. You've been to every single one. That's correct. Tell us about that. I'm sure there are a lot of memories. Well, there's there's a lot of stories going back and forth between between uh, uh, New Orleans and and Key West. Uh, you know the the first Meeting of the Minds, which was really just a bunch of us dropping in on Jerry Diaz's family vacation. Uh, that they had set up uh, uh, in early November in in New Orleans, uh, we a uh, bunch of us got together. There were probably eighty people from three different clubs uh, stayed at the Holiday Inn Royal uh, on Royal Street. Ended up partying at the Causeway Bar and Grill uh, there at the at the base of the Causeway, going over Lake Pontchartrain. Uh, that was uh, that was a crazy crazy time. Uh, I. Unfortunately, that's so many years ago. I don't <laughs> don't quite remember quite as much of that as I used to. But uh, some of the best memories: uh, the the first meeting of the minds in in Key West, where Jimmy Buffett showed up and played on Green Street uh, and and played old music, played the music from you know uh, from Living and Dying in Three Quarter Time and and uh, White Sport Coat and a Pink Crustacean and you know, stuff like Woman Going Crazy on Caroline Street. And hearing that uh, from a stage in the middle of a street on Green Street, Caroline's just one street over, uh, that really, uh, it was a magical evening. As we've been exploring on this series, 
the birth of a parrothead nation took place in Atlanta, of all places. Why do you think that the first parrothead club was started in Atlanta and not someplace else? <laughs> well, I have several uh, several uh, 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 theories about the first club being started here. A lot of it is is uh, Scott Nickerson. Uh, who Scott was was very energetic, uh, uh, very outspoken, uh, wanted to get laid, uh, <laughs> and it was just trying to get people together, uh, uh, people who enjoyed the same thing, trying to get a a social uh, a social group together, uh, and at the same time you've got Jeff Pike, uh, who's very talented, who's playing a regular schedule at a local bar, uh, and it. Just kind of you know the between the two of them that produced the seed for the club to grow from. Uh, I really, if you look through the years at all of the clubs that are out there, uh, I don't believe that without you know a local music scene and a local environment that's conducive for them to grow, they they just they never do grow. And we just we had the ability here in in, in Atlanta to we had the good luck to have those those elements together in one spot. When you look back through all the years of the Atlanta Parrothead Club, what are you most proud of? Um, I guess uh, the thing that I'm most proud of uh, with the whole club has been the the level and the amount of community service that we have done over the years. The fact that we've we've always given back to the local community, that we've always strived very hard uh, to to do that, to, to reach out to the local community. But we've also had a, a lot of fun doing it at the same time. You know, it's the whole party with a purpose mentality. Uh, we're having a party. We're having a get-together. Well, let's see what we can do to to expand beyond that. You know, if the Atlanta Club were just a drinking club, if it were just a social club that that all we did was get together at bars and happy hours and parties, I probably would have lost interest a long time ago. Um, I, I don't think it would have held my entrance the way that it has, but, uh, given the, given the community service and given everything else, it's really brought us together as a family. Uh, and it, it, it really has, has brought everybody together and it's made me very proud to look back at the stuff that we've accomplished over the last 20 years. Well, speaking of the, the last 20 years on April the 4th, there's going to be a celebration where all of this history is going to come alive, and it's going to be at Wild Bills in Duluth, Georgia, which is in the metro Atlanta area. Tell us about that event, that celebration on April the fourth. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna have a major party here in Atlanta. This this is one we've never really done a flocking like this here in Atlanta before. We're gonna have ten hours worth of music, uh, four different bands, starting with uh, Jim Asbell and Tropaholics. Uh, Jim has is a local favorite and a favorite of the Atlanta Club and the Lake Lanier Club. Uh, uh, has played at Meeting of the Minds. He's played upon the uh, Atlanta Parrothead Cruise. Uh, next up would be the original A1A show, and this is one you have to have a VIP ticket to get in to see. Uh, the original show, Scott Nickerson and Jeff Pike. This is taking the club all the way back to those days at you know at, at Aunt Charlie's at at Checkered Parrot at Puffer Bellies and all those other places that Jeff and I want to forget. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, this is this is reminiscent of all those original shows that, that really brought the club together. 
Then at 7 o'clock, we're going to move out to the main stage and invite the public to join us. Uh, and we'll have Howard Livingston and the Mile Marker 24 Band out of Key West. Uh, it's the Mile Marker 24 Band because Howard's house is down there at Mile Marker 24. They live right down there in the Keys. So they're they're living the Key West life, and they're going to come up here and, and sing about it. And then... And then we'll have the original, or the, we'll have the whole A1A show, uh, the band, the dancing girls, the pirates, every Elvis, watch for Elvis sightings during the show. The, the, we're doing the whole thing with uh, uh, a very special guest star, uh, Ms. Nadir Shakur, a uh, very talented lady from the Coral Reefer Band. Very good. Everyone there will need to stop and say hello to Joel Oates. He'll be out and about making the rounds. Everybody will have to check out AtlantaParrotHeadClub.org for more information. Be there in Duluth, Georgia on April the 4th. I have one final question, actually two. Jimmy Buffett is going to eventually stop touring. Probably, maybe not, but... (laughs) What do you think is in the future for the Parrothead Nation as a whole? Well, Jimmy will tour as long as modern medical science can keep him going. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, i got to figure at some point uh, he's probably going to want to retire. Or I really have to say that I think that trop rock really has become a, a recognized genre now. It, you know, he Buffett led the way, but I think that there's enough people coming up behind it. it it's, it's from, you know – as, as the little guy, the one guy in the in the corner bar who knows a few Buffett songs and a few Kenny Chesney songs, up to the mainstream artists like you know, uh, like Sonny Jim, Jimmy and the Parrots, uh, uh, Howard Livingston, the Mile Marker Twenty Four Band, these bands, the main stage, you know, up to Kenny Chesney, all of these artists are now they're now in that genre, they're now playing that same genre. So I don't see that the Parrothead organization will will go away just because Jimmy has, has stopped touring. You know, um, I could see Jimmy stopping touring and you know still putting out putting out albums, still making music. But even still, the Parrothead organization has just got too much momentum behind it, and there's too much momentum behind the trop rock genre that somebody's going to step up. Somebody will, somebody will take that place, or many somebodies will take that place. It's, it's, it will still continue. I'm looking forward to an Atlanta Parrothead Club 30-year, 40-year anniversary parties. Somebody else is going to have to plan them, however, because this one's tr- taking me absolutely crazy. <laughs> <laughs> my last question, this show is going out all over the world, so my final question is, what do you want to say to all the people that are listening in? <laughs> uh, what what message do I want uh, everybody to to know out there? Um, come to Atlanta on April fourth and come help us celebrate. Come help us uh, 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 celebrate twenty years of Parrothead madness and uh, celebrate all of the all the times that we've had, all the community service that we've done, uh, the 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 twenty years of of just the whole the whole Parrothead nation. Uh, it's going to be a heck of a party. We'd love to see you there. All right. Thank you very much to our special guest, Joel Oates. It was a great pleasure to interview you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Everyone out there, check out AtlantaParrotHeadClub.org. Boobopery, boobopshy, a geenopatilak, seek a boo to get gone. 
Goodbye.